Hey devs, you're tuning into the debug log number 101. So first, that's a lot of episodes, and second, uh, this episode and interview was inspired by a blog post that I read recently by a friend and former coworker Matt Bolt. The blog post was entitled "The Road to Better Concurrency," and that's pretty much what we talk about in this episode: is concurrency, parallelism, multi-threading, asynchronicity, all that fun, good stuff packed tightly in this episode. So it's a lot that we cover. It's a great, great episode. I will link the article in the show notes. So definitely check that out on our website. But without further ado, this is the debug log episode 101. That's why I, that's why, well, that's why I shortened it and said that brings us to today. And you're like, and today you're, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm quitting my job. Well, well today I'm in clue tomorrow. I'm, so what I'm I really wish clue. I, I would, yeah, wow. Wow. You're listening to The Debug Log, a podcast about game development. My name is Obino Aparam. I'm Ryan Kilgore. And today we've got another great interview for you guys. This is actually the first episode we've had since our 100th episode, our century mark, and we're bringing, you, bringing it to you with some hotness, <laughs> with a brand new interview about concurrency, as I mentioned in the intro. Uh, today we have Matt Bolt, who is actually... He is a former Sprocketeer as well, man. We, I think we just constantly have Sprocketeers coming in on the show. But Matt Bolt, we welcome you to the show. Welcome to the show, man. Thanks, man. And that is Matt Bolt. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Good night. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Good night. Uh, but yeah, anyway, um, so Matt is a server. Actually, I'm not going to introduce you too much because I kind of want you to introduce yourself. That's kind of what I do. That's fine. With uh, these interviews, is kind of I know all about you. Ryan knows about you, but our listeners have no idea who Matt Bolt is. So tell us a little bit about yourself. How you got into games? How you became an engineer? You know, why are you so excited about games? Well, I I mean, I'm a longtime gamer, so I'm always excited about games. But I got into it um, probably around 12 years ago uh, professionally. I think I started programming when I was 11 or 12. I was trying to get Doom 2 to run on my really crappy uh, th- 3 or 486 and um, just trying to reverse engineer boot disks. I just got super interested in it and kind of stuck with it through high school and stuff. And then uh, I knew I wanted to, if I was going to do it, I was going to be in games, right? Because I just loved, I grew up playing games. I loved it. Um, and so I, I graduated college. Um, and I found a job making flash games, um, which is not exactly, you know, what I had pictured, but, uh, it was great to get, uh, just involved in the whole, you know, professional development cycle and realize that it's not anything like what you would picture it, <clears throat> you know, and, and sort of stuck with that for four or five years and, Throughout that time, I was kind of back and forth from client to server, and uh, we had a pretty extensive socket server and um, universe platform, which was basically a framework uh, for pretty much MMO games that we licensed to to various clients um, annually. And then we'd also run a a game studio kind of in the background if they needed any work. Uh, And then we were 
purchased by High Five Games, which was uh, which was uh, basically a casino company. They were looking to get on social media with their uh, with their uh, slot machines, and there I was mainly a client side developer, writing a lot of C plus plus and a lot of very strange um, platform code to kind of bring their uh, their slot machine stuff from like a native code base and Lua, believe it or not, to like uh, Android, iOS, Flash, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and, then, and then I joined Sprockets after that. So, uh, and then we enjoyed a, a, fun, a fun two years or a little <laughs> under two years uh, there. And um, yeah, that kind of brings us to today. And today you are. Today I am currently, I am currently with uh, with Inclu, uh, which is an AR company startup in the Bay Area, um, with some former Iron Tiger people. Man, uh, surprise, surprise! Right, the blood runs deep with Iron Tiger. <laughs> yes. I swear. Um, but I tomorrow is actually my last day with Inclu. What? Um, yeah. What? <laughs> Are you yeah. breaking this to them over the air? <laughs> yeah, no, no, I, no, unfortunately, I'm not. Uh, but it, it's funny that you bring it up because uh, I was listening to the to the 100th episode, and I think there was a discussion on kind of hitting a pay ceiling, mm. or and and a lot of people wanting to move uh, towards you know starting up their own business and right. doing some other things because you just figure. I mean, hell, I'm 36 years old. You know, I'm not getting any younger. And if, if I don't have like some sort of long term plan, I mean, I have, I have a family, you know, I, I need to reduce my risk, but I want to I want to take a shot at it. So right. um, I got in contact with one of my buddies who I practically grew up with. Um, and there's four of us going into a uh, into a little business um, where we're going to essentially monitor and project costs for running a large Kubernetes clusters. Ooh, you know what? Now that you said Kubernetes clusters, I was actually looking for a segue, and I think that's the perfect segue. Perfect <laughs> to, to what we're talking about today, and that is about concurrency. Uh, actually, actually, backtrack a little bit because one of the things I notice about your intro and about your history is kind of something that's kind of run with a lot of the people that we've interviewed on the show, and that's kind of the beginnings, like starting game development and starting, you know, engineering with a beginnings in Java, Java development, which is not Java. Did I say Java? I meant, um, what did you say? You oh, Flash. 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 Yeah. Flash, yeah. Flash and Access Script. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, sorry, brain, brain fart there, but that's kind of crazy. Like, I feel like a lot of people have just started with Flash and then kind of progressed into what they, what they're doing now. Um, but yeah, anyways, let me continue with the segue, which is about concurrency, about Kubernetes clusters, about running things at the same time, uh, from a single application, or actually, let me not try to define it. I want you to help us define what concurrency is, Matt Bolt. Um, could you tell us what concurrency is? What, like, yeah. in your own words, what what do you think concurrency is? So, so the easiest way to describe it is, uh, and this is going to be fairly counterintuitive. Uh, concurrency is, I, I view it as a stack, right? Uh, concurrency is a list of things, right? Let's say tasks that have been broken up into pieces, um, those pieces are somewhat arbitrary. Uh, and the CPU is going to supply each, each uh, sub, subtask 
an, an allocated amount of time and it's going to execute it. It's going to do it so fast that it's going to look like each of the blocks in that stack are actually happening at the same time. Um, so that's that's how I view concurrency. So uh, a lot of people would think threads think, and, and that's not wrong, um, but parallelism is is truly running at the same time. Concurrency is more of the illusion that things are running in parallel. Yeah, I think you mentioned in your in your article the the road to concurrency is like the, uh, the concurrency is more like when you think back to the single core days, right? Where it's like, yeah, we're doing multiple things at once. It's like it looks that way, but really, it's like uh, you know, Word does something, then yields, and then like Excel does something and yields, and Doom does something and yields. Yeah, and then in parallelism, it's like the multi-core environment. Is that accurate? Or, right. Yeah. Yeah, it's a hundred percent. And if you think about it like that, it's actually kind of staggering, right? Like this is in two thousand five, two thousand six, mm-hmm. right? We're still on single-core processors, and we have this. It feels as an operator, right, of a of a computer, it feels as if things are like running in parallel all the time, like tons of things, right? Mm-hmm. So it's kind of it's kind of mind blowing to actually consider that yes, there are concurrence there's concurrency going on, but in fact it's just the CPU saying, look, here's your slice of time, now give it back. Here's your slice of time, now give it back. Just handing out resources when when these applications or uh, IO uh, devices need it. Oof. All right. All right, slow down, slow down, you two, you guys. <laughs> I feel like as a, as a layman or layman developer or lay developer, uh, hearing that it sounds pretty intense. And say, let's let's talk to the college student, I guess, the freshman CCS major who's just hearing about con- 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 concurrency and parallelism. What you mentioned, CPU you mentioned. I'm not sure if you said schedule, but just like CPU managing time. So. Can you explain like why it's important? Do I need to care about concurrency as a developer at, you know, starting out in development? And that's for both you or Ryan to answer. So, uh, so I, w- I would say that I would say this. Um, it is good to know kind of the backstory or the history behind anything, right? I mean, any I found that in, in this you know in this profession or just even if it's a hobby understanding kind of the core principles is always going to benefit you. Um, so it's, it's not bad to know the backstory of how, how this stuff works or why it is the way it is. Um, however, in modern day languages and modern day uh, programming, um, it's, it's debatable, right? Uh, <laughs> it depends on what you're, I think, I think a lot of it is context based. Like what, what are you working on? Like, what are you doing? Does it, if, if you're, uh, you know, if you're working on a Unity game or if you're working on an action script game, right, you might think of concurrency as being, hey, I send a request to the server and I'm not going to just sit there and block or I'm just not going to I'm not going to sit there and wait till it comes back before I do anything else. Right. I'm going to go ahead and go do other things while that request is out. And then when I get a response, then I'll do stuff with it. Right. Right. OK, so. Just a, a little more clarity as I'm learning about concurrency from you guys. So you, you mentioned uh, sending requests to a server. So is concurrency kind of pretty much in the realm of networked code, or is it something that's kind of ubiquitous across engineering and, and software development in general? 
So, so you're drawing some interesting parallels, and and I I will say yeah, I'll answer your uh, your question with just yes. Um, it's not a one to one by any means, but uh, the it very much um, it very much feels like network code, right? Uh, there's there is one major difference, um, and we won't we won't go down that rabbit hole yet. But essentially, it's doing things asynchronously. You you ask something to do work or a task and it doesn't like just naturally you may think like i don't want to wait for this because it may take multiple seconds and like i could be doing other things without this information right so you continue on uh and and when and when that response arrives or when that work is finished then you want to do something with it then you want to handle it Right. Yeah. Cool. And as far as you're, I mean, you're mentioning like networking. Yeah. It doesn't necessarily have to be that because you can think of, you know, in unity and their co-routine system doing something just like wait for seconds or something like that. You say, it's not going out over a network or anything. You're just saying, I'm going to yield processor for X amount of time. Feel free to do whatever, but I'm not going to block up the pipe or, you know, we'll let it, we'll let other people through the door. Um, so it's like, yeah, you know, there could be some networking like, Matt was mentioning like going to a web, uh, game server or, you know, accessing a database. It's like, well, you know, when that data comes back, let me know. But until such time, do something else. Sweet. And I love that you guys are doing this primer for me, quote unquote, me, <laughs> the, the lay developer about concurrency. And I guess to dig a little bit deeper into what you're talking about, Ryan, about especially your specific example about coroutines. Can you explain just from like a, a little bit more deep level about what is happening when you are yielding, you said you quote unquote yielding to the processor. What's what does that mean? What's coroutine doing, and, and how does that relate to concurrency? Right, and yeah, Matt, please feel free to jump in and correct my mistakes here because <laughs> I've got a pretty good knowledge of it. But after reading your article, I, you definitely have a better handle on it than I do. But um, it's it's essentially you know the coroutine is basically saying you know I'm going to run some instructions for a while, and either you know this, you know the preemptive scheduler is going to kick me out, or I'm going to yield. And say, okay, now somebody else can kind of come in and do things, if, if that makes sense. So, Matt, if you'd like to expand on that, please do. Yeah, I think I think in Unity, it's uh, I, I certainly like it's. I'm pretty sure it's safe to run right uh, or use actual like API calls on a, in a coroutine. I think that's why they're there actually, um, is so that you don't get in trouble like for being on another thread or anything mm. like that. Um, so yeah, I think I think it's uh, it's an implementation that uh, that I believe is given a segment of time um, and executes and executes, and then once uh, either the engine has decided, hey, you've executed enough, or a certain time constraint has has passed, that it 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 essentially moves on, right? I, right. And now, sorry, no, go, go ahead. ahead. Go no, ahead. Yeah, I was just gonna, uh, I guess affirm what you're saying. And that, that's something you can actually see in the Unity profiler when you're profiling and seeing where that chunk of time is being devoted. Um, but were you going to say something else though? No, I, I think Unity, that's a that's a really good solution uh, for Unity, especially given kind of the constraints on where you can actually use Unity APIs. Um, but coroutines and sending off these network requests, I, I think there is some side by side there. Uh, and, and, it is concurrency, right? Like, I want to. I want to be clear. I want to. I want to actually apply some clarity here because a lot of people would just use asynchronous, right? The terminology here is is really confusing if you're trying to learn about this stuff. And it's. I feel like it's really important to kind of drive home 
what each is. And being asynchronous is true, um, but it's also concurrent because you're actually doing something while you're doing something else. Um, it doesn't necessarily mean you're doing these things in parallel at the exact same time, but you're doing these things in tandem so that it feels or it creates that illusion that they're running in parallel. Yeah, so it's like parallelism and concurrency are both asynchronous in nature. It's like it gives you that feeling of doing two things at the same time. It's just with parallelism, you truly are on different actual pieces of hardware in the machine. Whereas concurrency, you may stay on the same piece of hardware. You're just flip-flopping back and forth contexts in your program. Hundred percent. Yeah, that's exactly cool. Cool. Sweet. I think yeah. I think we're. I think that's good. I think that was a solid primer into what concurrency is at its core, uh, and people can just read up more about it later. Um, but to kind of hop off or hop on the train. I don't know what expression I want to use, but kind of go off of your talk about Unity and and uh, just its implementations of concurrency. There's this new buzz that's going around Unity, um, and if we, if we can focus on Unity a little bit more, about this job system. Do you guys have any familiar, familiarity with jobs and what that is and how that relates to con- concurrency slash parallelism? I have no idea. Okay. <laughs> Unfortunately, I have very little too. Um, that's on. Yeah. So okay. jobs, the job system, it feels like it's kind of like the C sharp tasks stuff, I guess. But I can't. I can't say for sure. I don't want to say because I just haven't messed with it yet. That's that's been on my list is to get into the job system and maybe even some of the um. Uh, ECS type of stuff, but I for sure. just hadn't had time. So. Cool. I mean, I could speak on it, uh, but I want. Yeah, I want to hear. Yeah. I actually want to hear what your what your take on it is, Obi. Like, maybe we can we can spitball some. Uh, so the thing is, I would speak on it, and I think it's a great topic, but maybe a topic for another time because this is about you, and I don't want to take your your time to shine. Uh, so, job system two point <laughs> conversation happening later. Okay. Uh, anyway, we'll have you back for topic. that, Matt. We'll, yeah, we'll have yeah. you back for that for sure. Fair enough. Uh, fair yeah. enough. Uh, but yeah, so let, let's kind of transition. That was just a, a question that if you had the answer, we would talk about it. Uh, let's transition to the core of this conversation, which is about an article that Matt Bolt wrote, article slash blog post uh, that we, we found very interesting. And we want to dig into it a little bit deeper about concurrence, concurrency, but specifically the road, quote unquote, the road to better concurrency. Uh, actually, just high level. What made you think of that or think of that title? Why do you what made you, you know, go into this road about writing this article about concurrency? So uh, it's it's something that's always interested me. Um, and I think at the beginning it was, this is a means to, to being able to make programs faster. Um, and then, you know, especially coming from a Flash background, you look so much into how to optimize things. And, um, you know, I shortly went from ActionScript to the server side that was all Java and at that time, we were we were buying big, bulky machines to run games on. And so things, it was one server, right? And one program. And we would distribute a few things, but most of the meat of, every, of the entire game server was running on one piece of physical hardware. And so you had to have a fairly in-depth knowledge of how to make things very efficient um, in terms of scheduling and, and threading and uh, really making the CPU, uh, you know, really getting your value out of the CPU at all times. Um, and so that that kind of is what 
pushed me pretty much off the proverbial cliff is I just had to learn it. And ever since then, it's been one of these things that this moment that I feel like I have a grasp on it, you know, the rug is like, nope. And it's pulled out. It's, it is a constantly moving, evolving problem. And it's, I think it's, I think it's extremely difficult to think about these problems. And because of that, and because of the way that our languages work and kind of that whole blend of confusion that happens between the two and the differences between the two, um, it really raises the the question of can we do better than this? The two being uh, the languages, programming languages, and uh, highly concurrent applications. Applications, sweet. So you you mentioned in that in that spiel about uh, you getting into this because of a need for performance. Uh, and that's kind of harks back, harkens back to almost the the kind of the core behind the job system. You need a job system is increasing performance across applications uh, by eight, by being able to more, you know, make use of all the cores on a particular piece of hardware by threading, uh, quote unquote, responsibly slash more efficiently than they have been doing. Uh, so yeah, so you mentioned performance, and I don't think we kind of touched on that in our in our primer about concurrency as it relates to performance. More so, we kind of talked about just the asynchronicity and parallelism of applications, which right. I guess kind of leans into performance. But still, that's kind of where you're going. Um, so you, you talked about like language differences and, and how they affect concurrency. And in your article, you mentioned things about using, was it ob- object-oriented utilities, you know, that exist in, in languages that allow for quote-unquote thread-safe code. Can you talk a bit about that? Yeah, so so pretty much every language, um, to some degree that that involves uh, any sort of threading APIs, has has these low level primitives, and essentially what they are are means of working with uh, like low level threading, and and it's it involves things like locking. If you've if you've seen the keyword in C sharp lock, or I'm trying to think like Java has synchronized. And, and it, it depends on what language you're looking at, but you're going to find these primitives. Even ActionScript in its final days um, had uh, something like a web worker model where, with, where it had a lock. It had actually a mutex or a mutual exclusion lock um, in its API. So like, you're going to see these things come up and come up and come up in pretty much every language. And... I think what the problem is, is that it's the same, like what language, all these languages are vastly different, right? And what they give you and how they allow you to express yourself. Yet there's always this, this static uh, threading API at the, kind of the core level. And you're like, mm. what, how, what is this? Why, yeah. how, how does this work? How does, how do we have such uh, stagnation across these APIs, across all these languages? And yet these languages are vastly different. It's and it's and it's one of these interesting things that that again it just adds to the pot of confusion, as you know how do I use this, and how do I use it correctly, and can I make my program faster, right? I think that's really that's that's the the entry point is uh, you kind of have your your default, you know I I know that it makes sense to make this thing asynchronous here, and then. I now want to make my program faster. 
sort of uh, approach. And and to me, those are the two intro the entry ways into how do we do that? You know, what's what are the next steps? And if concurrency are adding sort of threading or some sort of uh, you know further asynchronous tasks uh, to your program is is a viable step. Then then you know where do you go from there? Right. That's a good question you pose. And I kind of want to throw out a question for either one of you as well. But how, as a developer, how do you know when you can slash should use, you know, concurrency or think about something as maybe making it concurrent and optimizing optimizing it for performance that way? Is there a certain metric that I could use as a developer where I can look at a piece of code or a problem set and know, hey, I could maybe use concurrency here? I have a I have one very easy easy one um, for especially if you're if you're a client side programmer and you're dealing with UI or Windows or anything like that is my UI frozen during <laughs> dur- during some you know uh, you know intensive CPU intensive work mm-hmm. is your is your UI frozen and uh, to me from a client side standpoint you're making games. Um, you know, sometimes it might not matter. You know, if you, if you have a loading screen up and that thing's frozen for a little bit, probably doesn't matter, right? But if if you're if if you are expecting a user to be interacting with your program, and you know you need to do some background work, and all of a sudden your UI is unresponsive, that directly affects you know your user. And right. to me, that's a, that is a great sign that hey, this is an opportunity where we can really take advantage of some some threading or some uh, some sort of asynchronous task. Yeah, no, that, that, that is a great example. And like, um, and I, I'd say for the back end and for me, like as far as like when you might want to think about doing something or handling something asynchronously is anytime it sort of leaves the program space or reaches out to another environment or thing, say like if I'm going to read a file from disk or contact the database, hit a website, talk to the game server. Like anytime you're sort of leaving that program's realm of immediate influence, you probably want to think about doing it asynchronously because, you know, if you've got to start hitting IO, going over a network, waiting for that disk read to happen and give you results, you know, all that stuff is infinitely, well, not infinitely, sorry, but orders of magnitude slower than if you're just saying like, hey, I'm within my own program, I'm on the processor, I need to access RAM, right? It's like, so that's how I usually think about it. I was like, oh, I got to hit a database. Probably should be asynchronous. I got to read a file. Probably should be asynchronous, you know. Very nice. That's that's helpful. So just to go back a little bit, you were talking about, you know, the object, the language utilities that you may use to, or these APIs being, you know, <clears throat> the stagnation of APIs across languages. Right. And then using that in threaded code. And you also mentioned the word thread safe. And I don't want to, I don't want to do like more primer stuff, but when you say thread safe, what does that mean, and why would I not use you know language features that are thread safe? Okay, so thread safety is is kind of contextual as well. This is another one of those terms that gets used, and it kind of has different interpretations. Um, I will use it in kind of modern day object oriented languages, uh, even though even though C plus plus or C might actually treat thread safe as this doesn't completely corrupt the the data structure <laughs> whereas like in a in a modern day language it's just going to be this value was not what i expected it to be but thread safety is essentially when two uh threads which are concurrent and 
we can go in in more depth, but just trust me when I say this, even though that they're concurrent and not may not be in parallel, they can still access code almost simultaneously. So if you consider like uh, like code that checks a Boolean and if it's false, it the next line, it will flip it to true. Well, if you have two threads that both, one of them looks at the if statement and it says, if this Boolean is false, which it is, then move to the next line. And then the processor may switch it to the next thread and that thread will say, if the flag is false, then move to the next line, which it also evaluated a false. So basically both threads were allowed to enter that code, that conditional statement at the same time in which it checked the Boolean. Both of them were false. So it said, okay, I can move to the next line. Now you have two threads that are both in a conditional block where you may have expected only one of them. And so thread safety is preventing one of those threads from accessing this conditional while the other one is looking. So one of them will win, right? You're basically saying this thread cannot come in here until I'm done checking uh, the, the flag. And, and that's, this, is, this is one of those things that I think, given our current programming languages and the, and the way that we write object-oriented code, this is something that's very counterintuitive. And it feels really, really bad to look at this and have to think about this, right? This is sort of this is sort of my drive in why I think we can do better. I, I don't think that that my take on this is is a new one. I feel like Google has been trying to do things uh, new. Uh, clearly, Microsoft has really been trying to you know to try some new things, and. I, you know, I'm, it's one of these things where I feel like it gets better and then we kind of fall back to where we were. Um, so when I say thread safety, I mean two concurrently running pieces of code cannot access the same memory at the same time. That's what, that's essentially what thread safety means. It means that one of those threads is going to claim memory and it's going to work on that memory. And it's not going to allow any other concurrently running code to access that memory until it's done. Right. Cool. So I guess that relates in your article uh, in the first part of the better or uh, road to better concurrency. I guess that's there's the thread safety part is when you're, you're talking about using, say, the C sharp dictionary versus concurrent dictionary. Like the thread, right. the thread safety there is like, hey, the concurrent dictionary, we're, we're actually saying the memory is safe there. Only one of these guys will be able to manipulate that data structure. But you go on to say, you know, hey, but look at this, like you mentioned with the Boolean values, you know, we're, our memory is safe, but our logic isn't because we need to lock around that logic to make sure, you know, hey, only one thread can like check that logic and then go into here. Is that kind of? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. It's exactly right. And what's so confused, what in my mind is really confusing about that is that we have this, this data structure that is, you know, in the name claiming concurrent data, like I'm a concurrent dictionary. I mean, to me, that just screams, yeah. hey, if you're worried about threads, just use me instead of a regular dictionary and right. your problems will be, you know, solved or at least taken care of for the most part. And there is some truth to that. But the 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 remaining issue is that the logic for working with uh, concurrent code hasn't changed, right? Right. So like, 
and it kind of it kind of revolves around like how all this object oriented code and, and encapsulation and how that kind of doesn't really it doesn't contain our notion of or, or at least how concurrency works right. um, relative to the lower levels of the machine. Gotcha. So so speaking on that, and especially encapsulation in particular, I guess, or just all, not all, but the majority of object-oriented principles uh, like encapsulation, how do I, as a developer, go about maintaining these principles while writing code and still, you know, and write like performant and executable concurrent code as well? Like, can I do both at the same time? Or are you suggesting uh, in your article or just generally that we need to abandon some principles? So... So we we can talk. I mean, different people's approach, uh, or different people have different approaches. And um, I would say my personal uh, opinion on the best way to apply concurrency is sort of as um, it's this, it's and it's very situational. But I, I like to think of it as the afterthought of a problem. Um, like I said earlier, you really need to determine. I'm going to need to. Uh, to use concurrency here. I'm going to need to involve threads. Um, I expect to use maybe five or 10 or a hundred. Like you need to kind of have an idea uh, beforehand, or if you need to come back later and optimize, now I'm going to introduce threads. Like having, having some, like some kind of idea of whether you're going to use them before, especially if it's a really aggressive use of concurrency is the smarter approach. However, if it's something like I'm writing this game and, uh, and I'm just going to, I'm going to plow through the code. I'm going to write it how, how, you know, I want to write it and it's going to be nice and serial and I'm not going to think about, uh, you know, concurrency at all. And then at the end, I'm going to look and I'm going to say, look, like, does it, it might work. I mean, the, the game might run and work like I want it to, to, to work. And, and in that case, then I'm a winner. I can go home uh, happy, happy camper. But if, if there are things right that need optimization, uh, then I'm going to, then I'm going to really like kind of narrow in on those specific circumstances and figure out the best way to introduce, uh, some concurrent, uh, some concurrency. There's an example in the second one where I kind of talk about like, Hey, here's the problem. I've written it, but I want to do better than this. And so I'm going to introduce some concurrency after the fact, and we're going to we're going to make it better and more efficient, and we can kind of dial back this extra code that we have and focus on applying like a more efficient concurrent approach. Right, gotcha. So, and we'll definitely link the the article in our in our post. But so so it's not really, and correct me if I'm wrong, it's not really an abandoning of object oriented principles. It's really it's it's kind of developers need to be aware and, and, and approach their problems by refactoring code so that it's accurately, quote unquote, accurately concurrent. Is that it's, what you're saying? Yeah. I mean, it's very, it's a very difficult thing to even, to, to even verbalize because of how awkward it is. Right. So like just us have trying to discuss like these potential use cases mm-hmm. uh, and how like kind of strange it is because we've both been writing code for a very long time. Like, why is it like this? And and I think the reason is because there's not really a whole lot of right. Um, there's not there's not like good conventional standards for how to approach these problems. And I think the the unfortunate 
truth is that we can only do the best we can. Uh, and then we can just, we can just kind of do what we, we, what makes our programming better and hardened, which is iterate. Uh, and, and if, so for example, I'll give, a, I'll give a actually real world example here. If I know that I'm going to write uh, a TCP socket server, I know ahead of, uh, ahead of time that if my socket server is going to support, uh, 50 or a hundred concurrent users, that I'm almost sure that I'm going to use some sort of, uh, concurrency, right? way ahead of time. So that when I design this thing from, from bottom up, I'm going to really consider how to build this thing using threads from the get-go. Um, if I'm writing a game, um, especially with anything client-related, I have this kind of notion of, I want to make the game run first, right? It's not, I, I'm not even thinking about uh, concurrency unless it presents itself very obviously along the way. I'm more interested in writing code and then coming back later and maybe introducing concurrency. I think my my sort of argument in my uh, in the article is more about why does it have to be like that? Mm -hmm. Because we should maybe in a perfect world we should just be able to write code that is highly concurrent and can share memory. And we don't have to beat our heads against the table trying to figure out, you know, this crazy edge case or this race condition or this this other insane bug that shows up only in production and won't show up when we <laughs> run it in debug mode. Yeah, you know right. what I mean? Right. No, absolutely. So, so it, what? Yeah, I actually had a you know, question on that. Is it? Do you think it's just because? that problem is so difficult and broad in its variety that it's like, I guess the people, you know, writing the languages and providing the tools and APIs and things like that, is it just they're like, well, we have no idea what's coming down the pipe. So we're just going to provide this level of functionality. And sorry, Deb, you've just got to figure that out. Like we, we're not, we don't have anything smart enough yet, like a compiler that can analyze your code and say like, oh, well, I'll just automatically start like moving this onto these threads. I'll make this a task over there. You know what I mean? Is it just like, we just don't, we're not there yet, I guess, or I don't know. Yeah, but I th are. you know I I think we're trying. Mm -hmm. um, I think a lot of a lot of languages, a lot of, uh, I mean C sharp for example is they're trying. I mean they're really trying uh, to introduce some things like uh, the async and uh, async await stuff is is very very good, um, in compared to nothing at all. You right. know what I mean? Yeah. Right. Um, so speaking of we're trying, I and I kind of I think I'm like tooting or I guess what's it called being an advocate for them as well. But like, I was just thinking about like uh, the job system or no, not really the job system, but the unity's data oriented tech stack, which is kind of, it's kind of just that it is rewriting and reformulating the whole entire, eventually the whole entire unity engine into something that by default, you're getting your performance and you're getting your performance by way of concurrency and by way of, you know, proper thread management. So and, the, and we're talking, when we talk about the data-oriented tech stack, again, this is a conversation for another subject or another episode, but we're talking about, you know, ECS, you know, Entity Component System, as well as the job system, which kind of combines managing threads efficiently and then managing data efficiently. You know, arranging your data in a way that, hey, we know since we're using only structs and we're using only, you know, value types, you know, we know the size of certain 
the data that you're putting into this system. So we can lay out data efficiently, iterate on it quickly, and thread it efficiently. So it's like, like you said, providing tools where we have a general, we know the general problem, and we're going to create a system where you're almost writing thread safe code, not thread, well, uh, yeah, thread safe code slash concurrent code in the onset. I, I, you're, you're making some great, you're making an incredible points. And, and in fact, I think, uh, to that it's determinism is king, right? right? I mean, determinism is king. We are humans. We work out things from start to finish, especially like mathematical or programming problems. Uh, we do them serially and linearly. And if you have the information to, to determine something ahead of time, then it is king. Right. It is what is giving you that that push forward. It's giving you that stability to like, okay, I built the foundation of my house. Let's go to the first floor Mm -hmm. um, sort of thing. And if you can start there, I think it's extremely powerful um, because it it, if you build the the foundation with some flimsy, uh, buggy, uh, multi-threaded code, then everything thereafter is going to be a complete disaster. Um, And. (laughs) <laughs> this is why I say probably you should write a program first and then go back and introduce concurrency because you want to build a, a you always want to focus on what can I do up front? What is deterministic? What is going to, what can I, you know, what can I use uh, information wise from all my requirements and apply that in a way that's going to let, like propel me forward in my application writing. Um, and, and basically what you said is, is essentially that, uh, is that, you know, we have these data types, we know their size, we know we can do this with them. We know how to schedule these things because all of that stuff has been, uh, made known to us ahead of time. And that's extremely powerful. Right. And I'd say I agree with that with anything you're doing. Make it work first. Like, make sure it, you actually can solve the problem and then go back and optimize. I, you know, I think it's kind of, I guess it's a more general, kind of really broad way of saying things. But yeah, it's like, because, you know, if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. So any amount of parallelism isn't going to get you out of the fact that it's broken. So this is going to, it's going to make it harder to find. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but um, yeah, so and and Unity is, in my opinion, a great spot to introduce the jobs. And wh- what was the ECS? There was some fancy uh, acronym you. Oh yeah, Entity Component out. System. Yeah, <laughs> the ECS. Okay. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I'm all about it. I'm all about those the fancy acronyms. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, because look, Unity is Unity is incredibly fast already on the graphical side of things. Um, even in its earlier days, I remember looking into it and just like just like going to it naively writing like something that that dynamically rendered like 3.7 million triangles and it was doing it it was like 700 draw calls or something insane and it was doing it and i was running i was like flying around in my camera at like 80 frames a second on my little dinky laptop and i was going like what the what the hell is how I don't even understand. <laughs> and so like you take that, but then you, then you start solving real problems kind of on the side outside of the graphical unit. And you realize that like it doesn't play nicely with threads because it's a graphics engine and not much, not many graphics engines do play nicely with threads um, because everything's got to go to the GPU on one single thread. Right. Um, and so, and so you're going to run into that problem a lot where you want to do this stuff kind of, off the GPU or off the GPU thread. And then you want to kind of like dump everything off and just say, go do it 
do what we told you and we're just going to go work on some other stuff. And that, that sort of like back and forth doesn't always play well either. And uh, so I think it's really cool that they're like streamlining all that stuff. I think it's going to be really nice. Right. Cool. And uh, to get back to your article a bit, I, I guess the core problem or the core approach and way forward slash, you know, the road to a better con- way we address concurrency is kind of, it should be less, you're saying it should be less on the developer to iterate and it should be more on our tool set and our languages to quote unquote innovate how we're approaching uh, concurrency by way of providing new tools that kind of work with concurrency and providing new APIs that work with concurrency. Yeah. And it's, and it's exactly, it's, uh, it's, it's like, um, it's like Ryan mentioned earlier, it's what it's kind of this trade-off, right? Like we have these people who are writing, who have these languages or provided these languages and are writing the compilers and are maintaining these things. And they want to provide useful tools for, for developers to, to use their platform. Um, and they don't want to say, we're just going to do this for you. Mm. And then it leaves that interesting problem with if you're a developer, like, are they undermining me? Do they not think I'm capable of using this or like, or the even worse problem is what the hell is the compiler doing under the hood mm-hmm. that's making my program run like shit? You know, it's just one of those, it's one of those trade-offs that we've, it's kind of when push comes to shove, these developers or the platform developers are just like, hey, we're just going to give you this because we can't come up with a way that's going to, it's just going to hide too much stuff. Right. Um, and, and I think therein lies like the real solution or the problem to solve is, what can we do that removes that uh, that initial need to hide things, right? And if you can do that and you can still keep things transparent to your developers uh, and then still also provide them a way of a uh, convenient and very familiar object-oriented language, uh, then you're, you're on the right path, I think. Sweet. I guess, I guess final question almost, but as a concurrency savant and, and concurrency <laughs> guru, uh, what have you, in your experience, what has been like the language or the tool that you've kind of used that kind of is more built and more structured for thinking about concurrency and working with concurrency in your experience? I guess what language slash tool set that you've used is like, hey, this actually works better for concurrency, you know? it's And I talk about this a ton. Um, it's actually almost more confusing to kind of go through because it raises so many more questions. Mm. Um, but I think in general, um, so, so my, my experience and most of my expertise is with the lower level concurrency stuff, just because of the programs I've worked on and because I've kind of had to learn that way. Um, but we are definitely in a more modern um, era of programming and things are changing a lot, especially with the, distributed approach to computing and stuff like that. Uh, so, so the, so the language or languages are naturally kind of flowing that way. Um, but we still have these same problems. And so, you know, I really, I see C sharp as being, um, a really standout in terms of, uh, number one, Microsoft does their research, uh, before they, uh, go about implementing things like the async await system in C sharp. Uh, they, they did a four-year kind of R&D on uh, STM, which is uh, software transactional memory, which is more like database transactions. Um, and they were looking at 
there's actually maybe a preview build of the C sharp uh, compiler and uh, that that has STM available, which is really interesting. Um, and so they they've done their research. They know what kind of works and what feels good uh, to them. And uh, from what I've seen, uh, you know, async wait is is great for con- like concurrent tasks, uh, but it still kind of leaves the door wide open for um, shared memory problems and keeping things you know thread safe uh, in your program. So uh, that seems that seems to be one of those problems that they are just saying, hey. We're going to leave it to the developers if they if if you it's your job to know that these two things are running concurrently and trying to access the same memory. So it's up to you to protect that memory. Right. So Ooh, actually, uh, Matt, uh, had you seen recently? Um, I, well, I saw recently an article that was talking about how Microsoft is actually starting to take a more. I guess I don't know if this is the way to say, it, but a more serious look at Rust. Where you talk about some of these memory issues and transactional memory and. Um, like I, the article is basically stating that a lot of their security vulnerabilities were coming from um, like memory issues and that Rust, they were thinking, might be a way to actually sort of stem some of those because it will actually it will um, during compile time tell you when you're doing unsafe things with memory. Um, yeah. Have, have, you, have you done a lot with Rust or have you seen those articles that you have an opinion? I, I've, I love I love Rust. I've never written a line of, of Rust ever, uh, but I have. Uh, I have read tons on it and it's kind of a unicorn to be honest. Uh, it's, it's kind it's very similar to unity to me. It's, <laughs> it feels like there's, I'm waiting to read something that's like, that slams it, right? Like mm-hmm. what's, what's wrong with Rust? No one has, I have yet to read anything that says, Hey, here are the problems with Rust because uh, everything is so positive, but it's, if it's so good, you know, wh- where are the, troves of people and developers ready to get on board like right. where's the where's the problem right it's like i mean you saw something like go go was introduced and people just like you know left mm-hmm. at it and maybe because it's google it's got google behind it pushing it but yeah i'm i'm on board with that if microsoft you know i i have i trust certain players um in, in the in the industry to to make you know informed decisions and microsoft is definitely up there uh and so you know if that's if that's one of those things that they're they're looking at, then you know I'm I'm excited. And then apparently Java is also going like fully functional. I don't know how you take a one of the most standout really? object oriented <laughs> languages of <laughs> all time and say, well, we're just going to be functional in two versions. I, it just is kind of mind blowing. Like what? Uh, that that, I, that that sorry that 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 baffles me. It's like. It, functional, then you may as well just start using JavaScript. But oh, you want the type safety and some of the more like memory management? Or uh, I don't know. Yeah, I, I'm I'm with you. And object oriented is not super uh, popular right now. And uh, you know, I think I think a lot of it is just kind of due to its um, to to things like this, to things like uh, kind of counterintuitive concurrency and some some really nasty uh, things like inheritance and uh, you know, just just kind of long running uh, designs in a language that have caused more problems than the, than than uh, good created uh, sort of approaches to to writing pro- code. So I think it's the cool thing to do to be into functional. Um, <laughs> I'm n- I'm not gonna th- I'm not gonna just say like it doesn't have its place. I I absolutely think it does. Uh, I'm 
I'm still on board with, with object oriented programming. I think there's, uh, I think it's, it's the most natural way and the most, uh, in parallel with our minds sort of way to abstract, um, you know, work and, uh, you know, basically being able to abstract building blocks to creating something, you know, um, brick by brick. And I, I think that's really important because most humans are going to relate to something where you have components that you put together to build something bigger uh, versus just a blank piece of paper that you just explain how you build it. Totally agree. Yeah. Maybe it's us being older, but yeah, totally agree. <laughs> <laughs> Damn kids, get off my lawn. Yeah. <laughs> You're on your functional bullshit. Get out of here. <laughs> I see one more line of JavaScript. I'm going to call the cops. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, Dude, cool. Yeah, I'm in a Node.js world right now. I'm just sometimes just like, oh, I want to blow my head off. <laughs> Me too. Me too. <laughs> cool. Uh, well, yeah, that it's been great. I feel like you've dropped a lot of good knowledge. Actually, both of you have been dropping some knowledge this episode, and I'm sure the listeners are going to enjoy it. Uh, before we let you go, Matt, also, it's Matt's, it was Matt's birthday yesterday, so everyone say happy birthday Yay! into yeah. your headphones or whatever you're listening to. <laughs> it's the final count. <laughs> <laughs> That's depressing. You're still in your 30s, all right? I, I, I know, hit right? 40 this year, so... <laughs> Oh man, Ooh, that's rough. Yikes! I'm just yeah. kidding. Again, <laughs> anyway, I'm blow my head off. No, <laughs> totally kidding. Uh, before you go, Matt, do you have any um, parting advice you want to leave our listeners with, as far as it relates to concurrency or dating or getting older? Dating, <laughs> yeah. my God, that's true. I mean, to, I would be the last. I'm literally the last person on the planet. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I just got lucky in that department. Um. But it's the best advice, in, in my opinion, is to understand that no matter how experienced or how, quote unquote, an expert some developer is, uh, they struggle. Everyone in this industry struggles with problems and tech moves so fast that no one is going to be able to keep up. And so you shouldn't use... Uh, that is a way to to not attempt something new. Um, it is hard. Learning in this industry is about repetitive iteration. It's about learning every mistake you make and and really just kind of using that as energy into into approaching your next problem. Um, and you can see from these from the articles that'll be linked, I am not a writer. By any means. In fact, it is a huge rant. You can tell I'm ranting when I'm talking. I'm ranting when I'm writing blog posts. Um, it's something that I'm working on is to be more well-defined in my communication and really stick to a topic. So there's always things in your in, in your work and, and especially in programming and in tech that you can do uh, repeatedly and iteratively as long as you're learning something along the way and using that to, to better yourself. That's, that's my favorite. Oof, that was Amen. so good. I, I know, right? A single tear rolled down my eye. I was like, Oh, <laughs> so good. Yeah, Sound I, like you almost prepared for that one, but yeah. I, oh, I'm yeah. just kidding. <laughs> no, he's right. It's, it's always hard. It's just, yeah, you know. That's true. I really, I really can't say how much I agree with that. Well, if it isn't anyway, hard, you're not doing something new. So that's true. That's true. Well, sweet. Thank you again, Matt Bolt, for joining us on the show and dropping some knowledge. We really, really appreciate it. 
Thank you and happy birthday. Hey, man. Thanks. Enjoyed yeah. it. Sweet. Thanks, man. Peace. Yeah. And we're back. Uh, so that was a great interview with Matt Bolt talking about concurrency. I think we kind of covered the swath. We did a little primer, primer stuff. We did a little in-depth talk about uh, concurrency. So it was really good. I hope you guys enjoyed it. If you want to continue this fun, join in on the conversation, you should definitely check out our Facebook group. And you can do that by going to facebook.com and searching for the debug log. Uh, request an invite and we will accept you really quickly, usually. Uh, how can they donate, Ryan? Well, you can go to patreon.com slash the debug log and you can um, basically donate there if you so feel. Uh, you know, whatever helps. You know, we're not we're not picky about that. Um, but also what we if you know, money's great, but reviews are also awesome. So, you know, if you could go to iTunes, uh, Google, whatever you use to listen to the podcast, leave reviews, please. You know, just tell us what you think, because we love to hear feedback. It helps us kind of adjust the show, and we also like having our egos stroked a little every once in a while. <laughs> and that's the reason. Yeah, because the Patreon part doesn't really pay off as much, so, <laughs> so at least right. we get some good feels. Um, but yeah, definitely. It was great talking to Matt today. So. Sweet. Um, so yeah, if you want to contact me on the Twitter or Instagram, you can find me at OBeans. That's O with an H, Beans with a Z. And I'm at R-E Kilgore. That's K-I-L-L-G-R-E. Sweet. It's been real. That's all we need to do, right? Yep. Yeah, we got an intro and outro and the meat. So we got a sandwich. We got a sandwich. <laughs> <laughs>